Jill Price is known as the woman who can't forget. She has a very rare brain disorder called hyperthymesia. It means that everything that Jill experiences, she remembers. Everything that she learns, she remembers. Every detail of every day is played out in her mind with crystal clarity. Now, while that kind of memory sounds wonderful to you and I, who regularly can't find our keys when they're in our hands, you need to consider this. It's not just that Jill remembers the details. Jill feels the days as if they're happening right now. Every thought, every feeling, every hurt, every joy is played back in crystal clarity. When Jill's husband passed away 10 years ago of a very sudden heart attack, Jill not only remembers that with clarity, she feels it today as though it were happening right now. Every misspoken word, every mistake, every hurt, Jill never forgets. For Jill Price, time heals no wounds. We say forgive and forget. And as a simple sentiment, it's a good principle to live by. There are some hurts that, that we've been through where it's best just to, just to forget it happened, just to wash our hands of it and say, ah, you know, time heals all wounds. We'll get by. We'll get past it. But there are some hurts that we've been through that are so deep that we never forget. And like Jill Price, they are played back to us with crystal clarity to the point where we start to wonder if I cannot forget then can I really forgive can I ever move on or am I so hurt that I will never heal I preached at a church many years ago and the members came to me after I'd been there for a few months I've been preaching on forgiveness and the members came to me with some concerns because it seems that the previous preacher had taught them Listen carefully. He had taught them that if you have not forgotten, then you have not forgiven. And if you have not forgiven, then God cannot forgive you. There's a lot of problems with that line of thinking. First of all, let's just get this out in the open. The Bible never says forgive and forget. It's not in your Bible. You're not going to find a page that has forgive and forget in it. God did not design you to forget. God gave you a brain and a memory so that you could learn and you can grow. And when people do start to forget things, we realize there's a problem, that something's not working right. What we might need to do is learn how to use our memories to further God's grace. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. I did encourage you to turn there. Ephesians 4, verses 25 through 32. If you're using, there's, there's Bibles there in the seats in front of you. If you're using one of those, it's on page 978. Before we get into the text itself, I want you to notice how Paul begins this passage. He says in verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood. So we have to stop right there and go, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I mean, there's the word therefore, right? And so, of course, we have to stop and see what it's therefore. 
And he says, having put away falsehood. So we're already beginning with completed action. So what's, what's caused this change? Why has a change taken place? Why have we put away falsehoods? I want to back you up to Ephesians 4, verse 17, where Paul says, now this I say and testify to the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self which, is, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The call is to put off our old self, that self that not only sins, but that self that holds on to our hurts, and instead to put on Christ. What's that going to look like? What's it going to look like to put on Christ in here, in our hearts? And what's it going to look like when we put on Christ in here with other people in the church? It's going to look like this. Therefore, verse 25, having put away falsehoods, let each of you speak the truth to his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Here's what I don't want to do today. I don't want to minimize your hurts. I don't want to tell you that the things that hurt you, the things that you struggle to forgive, aren't really all that bad because I am sure that they are. I don't want to tell you to suck it up. I don't want to tell you to get over it. What I'm here to tell you is be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I want you to know that that verse would not be in the Bible if it were not possible for you to do it. It would not be in the Bible if it were not possible. God is not sitting up in heaven with His notepad writing the Bible and saying, this will take Him off. (laughs) Just let Him try. (laughs) God knows that you can do this. It's possible. You can forgive. You get that, right? And I want you to know that God wants you to forgive. God wants you to forgive and never forget. God wants you to forgive 
and never forget. He did not design you to forget. He wants you to remember. In fact, we have to remember. We have to remember because forgiveness is a choice. There's probably no one in our present day who has written as much about the subject of forgiveness as Timothy Keller. Timothy Keller refers to forgiveness as an act of a form of voluntary suffering. Forgiveness is voluntary suffering. I want to read a quote to you from his paper on serving each other through forgiveness and reconciliation. Keller says, when someone seriously wrongs you, there is an absolutely unavoidable sense that the wrongdoer owes you. The wrong has incurred an obligation, a liability, a debt. Anyone who has been wronged feels the compulsion to make the other person pay down that debt. We do that by hurting them, yelling at them, making them feel bad in some way, or just waiting and watching and hoping that something bad happens to them. Only after we see them suffer in some commensurate way do we sense that the debt has been paid and the sense of obligation is gone. This sense of debt and liability and obligation is impossible to escape. Anyone who denies it exists has simply not been wronged or sinned against in a serious way. Forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. I, I needed a way to illustrate that. I needed a way to show you what voluntary suffering is all about. So I went to my good neighbor, Lynn, and I said, Lynn, I needed something for the table. You know, I have to have something for the table. And I said, Lynn, I need something for the table. I need something nice. And I don't know if you know this about Lynn, but Lynn has all kinds of nice things. Lynn, Lynn loves her antiques, and she goes out to these places, and she picks up things, and they're all beautiful and cute and everything. I said, Lynn, do you have a little clock? And she said, Brett, do I ever have a little clock? I have a little clock just for you. And, uh, and I said, well, tell me about the clock, Lynn. And she says, well, this is a little piece of Americana right here. It's, it's handmade. The, the workings are, it's, you know, Swiss timekeeping in there. And it's just a lovely little clock. And I said, Lynn, how much would a little clock like this be worth? And Lynn said that this clock was worth $500. $500 for this little clock. And I said, Lynn, can I borrow that for the table to use it as an illustration? And she said, Brett, you absolutely can because I love you and you're my good neighbor and I will let you borrow my $500 clock for your illustration. Now, I owe Lynn $500. Maybe. Lynn has two choices at this moment. She can demand that I pay her $500 for her clock, and I guess I would but she still would not have her clock back. Make sure she doesn't have her clock. Her clock's broken. She still wouldn't have her clock back. By the way, it's not really worth $500. (laughs) Not now, no. So I could give Lynn $500 for her clock. She's still not going to have the clock back. And if I do that, the debt still exists. The debt is on me, right? I have paid it. The debt exists because now I don't have $500 now. Or Lynn could decide to forgive the debt. Now, if she forgives the debt, the debt is gone. 
She still doesn't have a clock. But I no longer am burdened with that debt. That debt is gone, and she absorbs the debt to herself. That is forgiveness. That's what forgiveness is. When you choose to pay the debt for someone else, that is a form of voluntary suffering. Forgiveness is a choice. Whether it's the choice that you and I make to to forgive each other, or whether it's the choice that God makes to forgive us. I think this is where we get confused with the whole forgive and forget thing. We, we love to read scriptures. We read scriptures like Jeremiah 34, or excuse me, Jeremiah 31, 34, where God says, For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. We love scriptures like that. And we, say, we love to say things like, God doesn't remember my sins. We go back to the Psalms. As far as the east is from the west, so I have separated your sin from myself. I have forgotten your sins. Does God really forgive our sin, or forget our sins? Does He really forget our sins? We have to understand the nature of God. The nature of God never changes. God cannot change His nature. God is, God is who God is, and, and we trust that He is always the same. Same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He's always the same. God's nature never changes. One of the things about God's nature that we know is God is omniscient. That He is all-knowing. He knows everything. So for God to say, I suddenly don't remember what you did last Friday night at 9.30 or who you were with or where you went, that's not in keeping with His nature. We've got a problem there. Somehow we have to reconcile those two things. And the truth is, when it says God forgets our sin, it's not the kind of forgetting where you've lost your keys or that you don't remember someone's name. It's a legal term. It's a legal understanding of forgetting. It is actually saying God has chosen not to hold your sin against you. We take it up to modern courts and we would say, the evidence of your sin is inadmissible. It is not going to be heard in the courts of heaven. God will not allow your sin to be evidence against you. In fact, he says so in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Paul writes, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not holding our sins against us. That is God's choice. And forgiveness is our choice also. It's not automatic. There's not a switch that you can flip on your heart and suddenly say, Now I am a forgiving person. But since we've decided to put on a new self in the likeness of God, our choices change. Paul says in verses 25 through 27, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Some of you are angry. Some of you are angry because you've been mistreated, because someone has said something about you or done something to harm you, and you are angry about it, and you should be angry. In fact, it's a command right there. If you are not angry over some things, that's a sin. It's a sin for you to not be angry. What are you going to do? with that anger. 
if that anger draws you away from the likeness of God, then you need to check it. You need to control it. And you need to choose forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you, it's not something you're going to do one time and flip a switch and you're going to forgive. You're going to do it every day. You're going to do it multiple times a day. You're going to have to choose forgiveness over and over again. Which is why you can't forget. If you could forget the hurt, you wouldn't need to choose to forgive. And so we forgive and we remember. And we remember so that we can see the changes that God brings. We remember the hurt so that we can see the changes and the growth that God brings to us and to other people. One of the things I've always tried to emphasize to you is that forgiveness is something you do for yourself. You don't forgive for that other person. You don't forgive because that person deserves it. There's a lot of people out there that don't, okay? You're not forgiving because they deserve forgiveness. You're forgiving because you need to, because for you to hold on to those hurts, it's not good for you. Sometimes that person that you're not forgiving, sometimes they've been long dead. And, and your unforgiveness, it's not making them any deader, okay? It's not making them any worse. It is making you worse, it's been said many, many times. I don't know which preacher said it first, so I'm just going to say it was me. Um, to not forgive is like drinking deadly poison and expecting the other person to die. To not forgive is to, like, is to take in poison into yourself and expect the other person to die. It's not about them it's about you. It's about your heart. It's about what's best for you. And what's best for you is to not hold on to those hurts. We also have to remember that forgiveness itself is not the goal. The goal is restoration. The goal is wholeness. The goal is healing. If you choose to forget, then you forget the goal. You forget that your pain has a greater purpose. That There's a, a purpose behind it. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5 again, verse 19 in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting our trespasses against us and entrusting to us, entrusting to the church, the message of reconciliation. How would we know we're doing our job if we forget? How would we gauge change and reconciliation in ourselves or in others if we simply forget? Paul says in verses 28 and 29, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. You see the change that happens there? And then he says in verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You realize there is no guarantee that the person that you forgive will ever change, right? You realize that? There's no guarantee that the person that you need to forgive is ever going to change. But there is no promise that you will ever change if you don't forgive. To quote Tim Keller again, God's grace and forgiveness while free to the recipients are always costly to the giver. From the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. 
No one who is seriously wronged can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness then is costly. One of the things that will cost you is yourself. It will cost you your own desire for revenge. It will cost you your desire for your understanding of justice. It will cost you your own heart, but it will give you the heart of God. As much as you want to hold on to those truths, or those hurts, as much as you want to make that other person pay, forgiveness is by far a better deal. Forgiveness has greater results. To just forgive and forget is to cut yourself off from the work that God is doing in you. It denies His ability to redeem your hurts, to change the story of your pain. So we remember, we forgive and remember so that we can tell the story of grace. Verses 30 and 31. Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Let me break that down for you a little bit. It grieves God when we are unforgiving. God is grieved by our lack of forgiveness. It grieves Him because more than anything else, He wants you to know Him. He wants your heart. He wants that so much that He was willing to set aside every sin that you ever committed or ever will commit. And He did the work of voluntary suffering paying your debt by sending His Son to the cross, all in a desire to reconcile you to Him so that you might know His heart, so that you might know His grace. And when we determine that our hurt is too big, when we determine that our hurt is too raw, too big for us to let go of, then we have decided that our hurt is more important than the grace of God. His grace in our lives and His grace in the lives of the people who have hurt us. God wants you to fall so in love with His grace that you will accept nothing less for anyone else. Can I say that again? God wants you to fall so in love with His grace that you will accept nothing less for anyone else. There's nothing easy about that. There's nothing easy about going to the cross. This is what I've come to believe. This is what I've come to understand. There are people who have hurt me. Okay? There are people who have hurt me who by their actions have changed the course of my life in ways that I did not want to go. You understand? There are people who have hurt me. And there's things I struggle with forgiving constantly. But here's what I've come to understand. Here's what I've come to believe. Can those people separate me from the love of God? Can they? No. They cannot separate me from the love of God. What can separate me from the love of God? 
Well, according to Romans chapter 8, verse 39, nothing, okay, that's, that's nothing, no thing. And that, let me define that for you. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen? So they cannot do that. They cannot tear me from the arms of God. God himself will not allow it. Jesus Christ came down to earth to make sure that it could never happen. Nothing, no one, no hurt can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. However, can they, could they keep themselves from the love of God? Could they keep themselves from the story of His grace? This is hard. This is what I've come to believe. I know this goes against everything my flesh wants. Everything. Every desire I have for vengeance. Every desire I have for what I think is right and for what I think people have to go through to pay for what they've done. Here's what I've come to believe. I believe I owe it to those who have wronged me to be the greatest display of the grace of God in their lives. Let me say it again. I believe I owe it to those who have wronged me to be the greatest display of the grace of God in their lives. If I can't turn my pain into a story of His grace, then I have wasted my pain. And my pain becomes meaningless. What does that look like? That's what I've struggled with all week. What does that look like? What does it look like for me to become a story of grace to those who have hurt me? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't figured all that out yet. I think it looks a little something like this. If you go on into chapter 5, Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I want you to consider something else too. This something that hit me this week. I believe that forgiveness is worship. I believe that forgiveness may be the purest form of worship there is. Just think about this for a minute. No one... I'm not looking over this side because I want to say to you guys, no one forced you to come to church today. I don't know about these guys over here. Okay, Maybe they did. Maybe grandma twisted your arm and held you down and said, you're coming to church. No one forced you to come to church, did they? Nope. They did. Don't. I don't want to know about it. Maybe they forced you to come to church, but no one forced you to worship today. No one held a gun to your head and said, you're going to sing those songs. You're going to mean it from your heart. You voluntarily gave your heart to God today. You voluntarily came and worshiped. You voluntarily participated in what we did at the table where we encountered the heart of Christ, where we encountered the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You voluntarily worshiped. When you voluntarily give your heart over to His grace, you meet His heart. The floor of heaven 
drops out. The ceiling of the church opens up. And we are united with the heart of God. You meet His heart. And your hurts, your pains, your loss are transformed into the story of His amazing grace. What about when the one you can't forgive is yourself? What about when the one you won't forget about is yourself? What about for those of you who have decided that you cannot forgive yourselves for what you have done? I want you to consider this. Whose approval are you more concerned about? Are you more concerned about your approval of yourself or God's approval of yourself? Whose opinion are you more concerned about? Your opinion or God's opinion? Because God has already said that that evidence against you, those things that you know you did, those things that you have lived with, those are inadmissible. We are not going to bring those back to court again. They cannot be entered in as evidence against you. When you become more concerned about your approval of yourself than God's approval, you have become your own idol. You have worshipped your opinion more than God's heart. Why would you drag that stuff back up into court over and over again? Forgive and never, ever forget. Never forget the choice that God made for you the choice to pay your debt. Never forget the change that He is bringing to your life to mold you into His image. And never ever forget that the story of His grace is not finished yet. It's not finished for you. It's not finished for that one that hurt you. Never forget that. Sometimes I'm concerned that we make promises that we can't keep. And if I, as your preacher, have ever made promises I can't keep, I apologize. I'm sorry. Healing doesn't always mean that the pain goes away. Healing doesn't always mean that the hurt is gone. We like to think it is. We like to say it will. But reality and experience has told us otherwise. Sometimes the hurt doesn't go away. We have a great promise for heaven, though, don't we? In Revelation chapter 21, we have this promise that God will wipe every tear from our eye, that there will be no more pain or sorrow or crying or weeping or anything, no more hurts, because the old order of things will be gone. And we, we love that. We hold on to that. That's heaven. Healing doesn't always mean the pain goes away here. More than healing, more than forgetting, God wants to redeem your hurts. And He wants to turn your pain into a story of His grace. He wants to break the chains that have bound you to those hurts. He wants to set you free so that you can wrap your arms around Him in His amazing grace. More than anything else, He wants you to know His heart. Maybe that's what you need today too. Maybe you're realizing... That's where I'm going. You know, we want to pray with you. We want to love you into that. We, we don't necessarily have to know what you're going through. We don't necessarily have to know the pain that you're experiencing, but we want you to know that we are a room full of people who have been through that. 
We're a room full of people who are going to love you and support you and pray with you and carry you through those hurts. The Bible says we bear each other's burdens, remember? That means your pain becomes our pain. It means we share it together, and together it becomes a story of his amazing grace. We're going to stand together and sing. If you need us to pray with you, we ask you to come and we'll pray.